Hey, it's Dalton. Thanks for tuning in to Good Trash Media. Uh, we want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Out of Oklahoma City, you're listening to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where movies are more than just 90 minutes in a bucket of popcorn. The Good Trash Genre Cast is a member of the Good Trash Media family. For more information, go to goodtrashmedia.com. They're talking about you, boy, but you're still the same. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Undercast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in Film Says Course, unless you happen to be a patron. And you have donated a significant amount of money in which you get to pick a marathon. Mr. Keith and Lane Smith has selected yet another, a second anime marathon for the year 2016. All right. Therefore, we are looking at a documentary about the spice paprika and the way it goes on chicken. And we're very, very excited to be talking about it. I hear it's very good, but quite thirsty. Nonetheless, we will uh, be discussing this film. But before we get to that, we Tell must you what, you identify. You really can do some wonderful things with like some chicken thighs and potatoes and smoked paprika. Potatoes. Mm-hmm. I got Hungarian paprika I use, and it's delicious. Really? Man, yeah, you're just made of magic, Dad. Yeah. Guys, are we going to start a cooking show? We're going to do a podcast. Good trash, uh, spicy cast. You can do both. Uh, I have seen garlic is as good as ten mothers. I've actually you, listened to cooking podcasts. They're you, fun. You can do you can do both films and. I will food. point you to the uh, Oklahoma City Food Podcast, Oklahoma Over Easy. Yeah. It's uh, in the OKC Podcaster Network, and we recommend you check it out. But I'm not going to talk about that because I want to talk about you guys. I want to know who you are and why you're in this room. So I'm going to go around to my left, and we're going to introduce the disembodied voices speaking to the brains of our dear listeners. Left, sir, who are you uh, my name is Dalton Stewart and I swallow everything <laughs> across the table ma'am who are you my name is Alexander Bohannon and I don't really like movies all that much mm, sadness uh, to my right sir who are you uh, my name is Caleb Masters and uh, Dustin it seems you have quite a fondness for movies uh, it is accurate to say my name is Dustin Sells and giraffes on horseback salad and I'm very glad to be here with you all <laughs> uh, to, that's actually a Marx Brothers reference but nonetheless um, and a little bit of Salvador Dali and that might come up a little later in the show we are talking the film Paprika again thank you Keith and Smith for your kind and generous donation now we gotta let you know dear listener in case this is the first time you're buckling up and listening to the good trash honor cast what you're in store for this is not a review show it's an analysis show and that means that we are going to do some spoiling but we're going to give you a brief reprieve what we're going to begin with is our quick thumbs up, thumbs down review, which follows a uh, synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, who is uh, producing uh, for us today from Mr. Arthur Gordon. And then we'll move into our gameplay, which can contain spoilers of the film in question or other films in general, but we tend to keep that rather mild. Once we get down to business, y'all, that's when we do our analysis, and that's when spoilers are definitely, definitely on the table, and you've been warned. And I think this film is a film that could, to an extent, be spoiled, perhaps. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I can't wait to see. What can the- you spoil an experience? I, mm. Can you spoil? Can you spoil the experience of tripping balls, which is what uh, Dalton said this movie had to be like when this, watching it? This movie is drugs. This this movie is, in fact, we we say that occasionally uh, about some films. This movie 
is definitely drugs. I believe we also said that about uh, the Holy Mountain, and I, yes. I think it uh, qualifies here. We have a few announcements we want to mention uh, today. First of all, Caleb wants to say some things about Patreon. Uh, Caleb, what do you have to say about what's going on with Patreon and how listeners can participate? Yeah, so we have a lot of different things you can do uh, on Patreon.com. Uh, at the $10 level, you can pick a movie for us to watch one a year. Um, and then, of course, uh, if you want to be uh, really pro, we have a t-shirt you get for $20 a year. Um, uh, or if you guys uh, want to, we might uh, be having a couple of other podcasts coming down the pipeline uh, once we meet uh, once we've met our certain uh, certain goal which i believe we've met if you guys want to learn more head on over to patreon.com slash gtm thank you very much for that mr caleb masters we have yet another announcement we want to mention uh, there's an event coming up uh, miss alexander bohannon can you say anything about that Sure thing, Dustin. For the month of anime from Keithan Athon, we're going to be uh, looking at another uh, Japanese selection, and we're going to be doing a kind of fun uh, event as well. So on September 16th in the parish on the Plaza District in Oklahoma City at 7, we're going to be screening a movie that ties in nicely to Pokemon Go franchise. Um, so if you like Pokemon Go, you want to catch them all with us, you can catch them all with us, and maybe you'll learn the origin story of Mewtwo. Mm, yes. Very, very good. So there you go, dear listener. Let's go ahead and hear that synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema, and then we'll go with our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews. Mr. Arthur Gordon, sir, grace us. When a machine that allows therapists to enter their patient's dreams is stolen, all hell breaks loose. Only a young female therapist, Paprika, can stop it. Paprika, it's a Mario. <laughs> it's a me, a Mario. <laughs> Guys, I, I, Inception, I hear Inception was great, but really, I mean, I thought we were talking about Paprika here. Uh, mm. All righty, guys. So now you know what's happening and uh, what we're going to be dealing with. Let's go and hear those quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. I go to you first, Caleb Masters. What do you say? Do you like this movie and why? Uh, well, yeah, it's certainly a one-of-a-kind film. Uh, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, because it's not just trippy, it's also borderline incomprehensible a lot of the times, which is very intentional. Uh, now, you, you know all the, the, the really weird, wonky, inexplicable things that we thought was missing from Inception? Yet yeah, this movie does all of those things. G- giant pink elephants, wacky parades, all of it. It's all here. It's like everything that was missing from that film, which was criticized for being a little too calculating in its portrayal of, like, you know, dreamhood. Um, given the uh, muddled nature of the film, I, I what I found most interesting were the themes, uh, which I think the film was more interested in exploring rather than, like, actually a plot. Um I think the film works best when it's uh, exploring the idea behind uh, subconscious desires uh, working to kind of drive society forward, uh, which I'll talk a little bit about my analysis. Um, but I do think there's something very special here, uh, even if it demands that viewers uh, rewatch it a couple of times to completely figure out exactly what it is that's special. Um, and, you know, one thing's for sure, I'll never look at wacky inflatable balloon men the same way ever again. You mean as a metaphor for erection and then ejaculation? Oh my God! You took that one hundred and ten percent of just. Uh, I mean, it's in the movie. That's what it does. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, what do you have to say about this film? I did enjoy this film. Um, it was I was expecting a lot more Inception, and sometimes whenever you're doing uh, films that end up being more surrealist in nature, um, you you kind of have to put yourself in the mindset for it. And I wasn't quite. I was like, I was not thinking this is going to be the film I would be watching. I thought I was going to be watching Anime Inception, um, which the film itself turned out to be fine. Um, and, and the thing is, is with uh, surrealist it, it's films... It's just not that at all. Yeah, no, it really isn't. Um, I wish... I kind of wish they wouldn't have done so... I don't know. I, I feel like they tried too hard to make it have a narrative whenever this film wants to be surrealist. And... 
I, I just would have rather appreciated it going full surrealist instead of being like, oh, let's explain, um, let's explain how the big bad is uh, c- controlling everyone through dreams and everything. I don't really care as much about that um, if I'm watching a surrealist piece because I know what I'm in for whenever I'm watching a surrealist film. So I kind of wish, and the thing is, is whenever you have a film that is kind of going to be more reliant upon a narrative um, when people are going into a film expecting a narrative, um, they do have to throw out a rope um, instead of just going full surrealist, which that's what I would have rather seen. Um, even just, I mean, I'm thinking just go Valerie in her week of wonders. That's the kind of, yeah. that's what I want here, um, which is going to be a few, uh, an, an upcoming episode on the film syllabus podcast, also on goodtrashmedia.com. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It could have gone a little more surrealist for me once I realized I was watching a surrealist movie. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. And my goal has already been achieved with regard to the film syllabus because you said, if I want to go surrealist, I want to go all the way. And that makes me exceedingly happy mr dalton stewart i am excited to hear what you have to say because we all know of your love of the isle of japan and its animation <laughs> oh they're a wonderful people uh, <laughs> really that's not what you were saying while we watched a, this they're movie. a wonderful people who did a thing that can literally be described with the word rape um, when you commit a war crime that has the word rape in it no i'm kidding uh we all did terrible things in the war um yes it is no secret that i do not care for anime at all even a little bit. I liked this movie. That's good. I liked it. It was good. It was against your will, but I enjoyed it. Dalton. It, yeah. This is a safe place. It's not your fault. It's not, it's not your fault. I know it's not my fault. It's not your fault. Not Dalton. You too, Fuck you, man. It's not your fault. No, not you too. Dalton, it's not your fault. Fuck you, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, yeah, um, I, I know it's going to make my um, grandfather roll over in his grave, but I did really <laughs> enjoy this this product from the Isle of Japan. Um, I drive a Japanese motorcycle. Um, it's I like it. I liked it <laughs> wait, a lot. Wait, 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 he that, has that, a lot that, of black friends. Yes, yes. Yes. That, was, <laughs> that, was that was that was perfect. That was the joke. Um, I liked it. I'm really shocked how much I liked it. I think maybe because it didn't have a lot of the predilections that bother me uh, about anime um th- there was not even one instance in which it was implied that a small child was an object of sexual desire not even once not even one time we did get an upskirt because it's still japan uh but yeah uh, and they made fun of the fat guy a lot uh, and i really didn't care for that i didn't they were really mean to taquito um considering he made this groundbreaking piece of technology yeah, they were really mean to him they were just treating him like an old bumble butt and um i gotta say not fair Dude invented dream sharing. That's not nice. Um, just a lot of fat shaming going on for, for Taquito. Um, now granted, he did eat udon noodles, uh, uh, paella, and a steak all in one sitting. But, you know, brother's got to eat. He's, he's like, I got to go to work. I'm hungry. I can't work on an empty stomach. I would have appreciated going fully one way or the other. Uh, full-on narrative or full-on surrealism. Um, they really do try to kind of tenuously tread that middle ground. And I... I, I I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I think they succeed for the most part, but it does become uh, a little hinky to follow at times. Again, by the end of the film, I think everything's very clear. Like, what happened is extremely clear. Uh, But 
you know, are we going to go full narrative? We're going to go full surrealist. Make up your mind, because uh, I, I I think it's hard to have it both ways sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and even there are films that can. Oh, it's sure, just hard. I think Valerie and her Week of Wonders uh, to name drop again is a great example of how you can kind of have both, and it not kind of and it not being really confusing or hit you over the head with narrative. I'm um, trying to think. Um, Beyond the Black Rainbow, which is an episode I actually didn't get yes. to be on, I feel like is a film that has its cake and eats it too in that regard yeah i would be that oh my god now i want to see that pet world cross with paprika and that's that'd be freaking crazy so i liked it um i didn't love it um it was perfectly fine though i didn't hate it um and i actually enjoyed most of watching it i only got uh, annoyed and rolled my eyes three times and that is a record for <laughs> can't can confirm does like it can, uh, yeah we caleb caleb and alex and i watched it together and There's video i i they can confirm uh, except for me, I, I did really enjoy the music, um, which is quite wonderful. Um, I, I, yeah, I didn't hate it. I'm, I was surprised. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Dalton Stewart. Um, you know, and I, I think part of what you guys are addressing is what they, uh, they, they has a line about it early on in the film, that if you have the early dreams, they're like the short art films. Uh, I really did like that. And then yeah. the longer dreams is something more like a narrative the feature. Film, uh, the film, the conversation about film in this kind of meta-narrative is very fascinating. Yes. I, I figured you'd like that a yes, lot. Yes, it, it's definitely hit me in all the places I like to be hit. I did know? enjoy that and, as well, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, it's got, it's got my film uh, cinephilia stuff, hey, had, it's got my surrealism hey, when stuff. Hey, when the cop was dreaming himself as a character, Kurosawa, what would that do for you? I was. Did you lose your mind? <laughs> I, I might have been gleeful, and, uh, <laughs> but I don't want to admit it in public. Um, I like it a lot. It does a lot of things that I like in movies, uh, taste-wise. So it's definitely a thing I have a lot of affinity for, and perhaps give some passes to. As you guys say, there is some general messiness here and there, and uh, but I tend to forgive it because it does things I like otherwise. And at that point, you know, you can take full advantage of me because you've done what I like you to do. And uh, so that's what this film does. And so the film could have it have its way with you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I can't believe how much I liked it. Yeah, like I really enjoyed lots of things about it. That whole. I don't want to. You know, not to spoil anything. I really enjoyed that whole final sequence. I thought was great. Mm-hmm. That opening sequence. I was like, well, this is fucking cool. The only part where it lost me was really that middle section where we're trying to figure out the mystery. Yeah, and that I kind of that kind of lost me. Well, and I, I tend I, not to care about a mystery. Yeah, I mean, sol- again, well, I like mystery. I just don't yeah. like solving them. Right. I mean, again, it's the whole you know trying to have the dominance of the narrative. And it totally just spoils what it's trying to do. Yeah. But other than that, I liked it a lot. So there you go, dear listener. We're generally biased. Pro. All right, guys. I look upon my watch and I realize it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> this week's game, Spicy Log Lines. That's right. Spicy log lines brought to you by Paprika. Paprika. I just realized I'm doing a different voice than I normally do. <laughs> I thought you were impersonating the um, detective from no, Paprika. No, that would be racist, Alex. It, it sounded vaguely like it. Don't do impressions of other races. Hong Kong, Henry Sebrowski. <laughs> what, what I have to say, We don't though, do that here, Arthur. We don't do that here. I have made the observation that whenever the word Paprika is uttered, it cannot be said in the voice of the cinema or in the Barker voice. Like, you just have to go somewhere else with it. You like, do. I. It, that's It threw me off immediately. That's 
that's very very funny to me okay well we're going to talk about uh so we've we've been given a list uh, assigned to us by um the dr reverend arthur gordon in which uh we are going to get pitch three films based on spices so what i want to do is i go around the table i want you to name your spices or um again uh herbs and what have you and then name we the have been film. given a secret blend of herbs and spices uh, by Arthur Gordon, <laughs> the Colonel Arthur Gordon, <laughs> and uh, oh, yes. we ha- we have to uh, p- give you the logline for uh, the, uh, the the spice in question. Correct. The Cor- film with the title of the spice in question. Right. Okay. So I'm going to go to you first, Miss Alexander Bohannon. What are your uh, spices, and then what are your films? Well, I was assigned the the uh, herbs and spices: vanilla bean, turmeric, and cardamom. Uh, vanilla bean, romantic comedy that's set in an ice cream school <laughs> store. <laughs> Carol is a beautiful bisexual woman who falls in love with a man and a woman who come into her ice ice cream store as patrons. Yeah, Vanilla bean. We would have also it. called that Neapolitan. <laughs> oh, this up! That was it. the cutest high five I've ever seen in my life. Um, next, turmeric, a political film set in a future where gingers and bol- blondes are killed. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that turmeric is kind of yellow colored, so I vaguely yellow orange. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Finally, cardamom. Cardamom. It's a historical drama set in ancient Rome and/or Greece about uh, life at a perfume store because people made cardamom into perfumes during this during that time. That was a thing, huh? It was a thing. I didn't know really what cardamom was. I think it tastes like licorice, doesn't it? Maybe. Is that yeah, wrong? Spice, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It tastes good. Alrighty. Well, thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohannon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what are your spices and selections? Well, I have. Uh, I, I didn't bother to come up with the uh, plot for the movie. I just have the tagline for the movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I was given uh, rosemary, curry, and dill. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a dill pickles documentary in here. Rosemary. Find out what happened. Before the baby. <laughs> oh my god. Curry. Something's rotten in New Delhi. <laughs> oh god. Oh my god. Are you. Uh, uh, why are you all assuming it's gonna be racist? <laughs> well, because it sounded vaguely racist. No, no hold I, on. I don't think racist. I thought funny. Sorry. Hold on. Give me a second. Detective Ansar is gonna get to the bottom of it one way or another. It's like The Departed, but in, I love in, it. in New Delhi, yeah. Racist. <laughs> Dill. What's in your pickle? Oh, uh, <laughs> All righty, thank you very much for that, Mr. And Dalton I'm Stewart. done. Okay, Mr. Caleb Masters, what are your spices and your selections? Well, I, I was I was granted clove, thyme, or thyme, I don't even it's know. Time. It's thyme. Thyme. Time? Yeah. time? It is time. Oh, that changes yeah. everything. I got to write a pun joke in there. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so I've got cloves, thyme, and nutmeg. Uh, so the first one is going to be, uh, as the cloves, the cloves will be the name of the superhero team who are going to stop the the evil uh, Brussels sprouts uh, from taking over the kitchen. Just picturing a bunch of goth kids smoking clove cigarettes. <laughs> and, That's uh, exactly what I And their, their, their tagline is going to be, it's clovering time. Oh, God. <laughs> Boom. Thumbs down. Boom. Two thumbs down. Oh, no, you guys, you guys just don't get it. Clobbering time. Come on. No, I All get right. it. All right. So, uh, time, uh, where tagline is going to be, uh, it's, it's, uh, forever green, not your mother's time. And it's going to be a stoner comedy. All right. I kind of like that one. I diggy. All right. I'm okay with that one. All right. And Wait, the I- name of the movie is Evergreen? Uh, forever green is the tagline, but oh. we could say it's forever green. Forever green. So, forever green. <laughs> not your mother's time. <laughs> Bam. 
All right, and uh, last I've got nutmeg. So this one's gonna be this one's gonna be a post-apocalyptic T two uh, style, uh, you know, venture uh, because nutmeg. Uh, it's it, you know what nutmeg is, right, Dalton? Yeah, I know what nutmeg okay, is. Okay, okay, okay. Delicious. So so the, so the seeds of John Connor's future are, are planted. Dun 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 dun. All righty, thank you very much, Mister Caleb Masters. <laughs> oh God, Dustin! Um, what are your, what are your spices? What are your your taglines or films? I was given cumin, cilantro, and sage, mm. uh, which sounds like a lot of fun. I'm together, actually. Those are yeah, yeah it's yeah. very tasty. I'm uh, once again. I want to point out for the record, I'm very disappointed that Arthur did not give anyone oregano, uh, which is fine though because for the entirety of watching the film Paprika, I kept insisting on calling it oregano. Uh, well, for cumin, uh, I think it's like sort of the, the lost and missing agreement, uh, ingredient sometimes used in chili. And so I have a film basically set up as a chili cook-off uh, love story in which, uh, you know, <laughs> cumin ends up being the spice of life yeah. uh, for, for two who meet one another. It's beautiful. See, and you can also do like a subplot within the cumin film about how everyone meets at this chili cook-off but the thing is is like it's like Pawnee Indiana where the chili cook-off is the thing like you want to win it so bad small town style you and guys so, need to see the movie Butter so, yeah it, it's exactly yeah, it's like what butter. I'm quoting from so it's yeah. like basically the butter type competition everyone gets super into it and then a couple fall in love yes yeah. um, fun times uh, cilantro uh, which is one of my favorite spices to have on a street taco I love me a street taco the cil- guys cilantro that goes on like literally everything yeah, does a little cilantro a little onion on a corn tortilla mm-hmm. and so I have um, basically a street rat um, navigating her way through the streets of Mexico City uh, finding uh, brothels and drug dealers and other bits of uh, interesting and uh, frightening situations just trying to make it from one end of town to see her auntie on the other end and which they del- enjoy a delicious taco <laughs> uh, lastly uh, Sage uh, this is a western film obviously as in the writers of the purple Sage uh, but this is going to be a survivalist story in which the horse dies and there's nobody there and our hero must escape uh, the Marauding Native Americans and also eat when there is no food save for sage, which provides very little nutrition and we'll find out if he makes yeah, it or not. Yeah, it's super bitter. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's <laughs> terrible unless it's been cooked. So those are my selections. Dear Lister, what spice-infused or based films would you recommend? This was a very silly game. I like <laughs> it very much. You guys, you guys want to go cook some dinner now? Mm. We have work to do. All right. Yeah, we Focus. Do. Guys, you really, we have to wait for dinner because it's time to hear a word from our sponsors. Greetings and salutations, good trash faithful. Uh, We're taking a brief pause from the show to bring you a word from our sponsors. This is a magical, lifelong dream of mine come true, Um, getting to read ad copy. It's all I've ever wanted. Uh, So thank you for making this a reality. And thank Loot Crate for also helping make it a reality. That's right. Good Trash Media Network has entered into a partnership with Loot Crate. Uh, For those of you not in the know, and how could you not be, uh, Loot Crate is a uh, specially curated pop culture monthly box subscription uh, that delivers all kinds of goodies and t-shirts and figurines and buttons straight to your door. Uh, it's like having a, it's like having a best friend that's really into giving you stuff that you have to pay for. Uh, but uh, don't worry about the paying for it because uh, we got you covered on that one. Uh, if you go to lootcrate.com slash good trash, you can save $3 off your very first box. If you enter the promo code good trash again, that is lootcrate.com slash good trash with promo code good trash. Thank you. 
All righty. Thank you very much for that uh, sponsorship. We love, love that stuff to happen. If you're interested in sponsoring the Good Trash Undercast, please find us on the interwebs and have a conversation with us. Let's talk about how that conversation can take place, perhaps for sponsors or even for those of you who are listening and would like to keep the conversation going. I go to you first, Miss Alexander Bohannon. Where can the conversation be held? Sure thing, Dustin. You can find the Good Trash Media Network on facebook.com forward slash good trash media. You can find us on our parent website, goodtrashmedia.com. You can find us on Instagram at goodtrashmedia, and you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash GTM. Thank you very much for that, Miss Alexander Bohan. And Mr. Dalton Stewart, I believe there remains yet another means by which the conversation could be held. Uh, there is, Dustin. You can find the Good Trash Media Network on Twitter at good underscore trash. Uh, if you feel like I'm being unkind uh, to the island nation of Japan throughout this uh, marathon, uh, you can go on there and be promptly blocked by me. <laughs> on his personal account. Can't uh, once again, yeah, that Good Trash Media is not going to block you. Uh, I have control of the Twitter, and I can change the password anytime I want. Uh, <laughs> once again, that is uh, at good underscore trash. Thank you very and, much. Uh, and that's not just for this show, uh, I want to remind you. Uh, anything you're curious about about this network, you can uh, talk to us about there. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Guys, it is time to get down to business. It's business. That business in question, as always, dear listener, is analysis. I am very excited to hear what my dear co-hosts have brought forth for this conversation. I go to you first, Mr. Caleb Masters. What analysis bring you, sir? Yeah, well, I just want to talk about how Paprika, I think, is trying to paint this uh, in, in the form, too. We, we talked a little bit about the form, how it tries to be surrealist and also have like a, a, you know, a through-narrative plot as well. And I, I think the film is insisting that uh, to be happy and successful, that you need to, that dreams and reality kind of have to have a marriage. And I think the film, you know, as I said, works at its best when it's exploring the idea behind the subconscious desires and how most of us spend our entire lives trying to make those subconscious desires a reality. Uh, now, one of the final lines of the film, uh, Detective uh, Toshimi's partner uh, appears and tells Toshimi, you didn't do anything wrong. You just lived out our movie in real life. That's why you became a cop. It's the truth that came from fiction. Always remember that. Now, uh, for those of our listeners who maybe didn't actually get a chance to watch Paprika beforehand, uh, the, the, the film follows a uh, the detective uh, through who we find out through the course of the film w- was at one point an aspiring filmmaker. And... Uh, life happened and he was never able to fulfill said dream uh, his partner left him so even though he gave up on his film to be a dream to be a filmmaker he still pursued a career that allowed him to live out the adventure he had always wanted uh, in the same way i think the film is tapping into the fantasies uh, that often drive society and how very few uh, of us live out our dreams and desires in the way we think we're going to i um, mean usually find uh, wind up finding alternative means of fulfilling our visions uh, thus, I believe the, the film is reinforcing the idea of uh, dreams, uh, you know, that uh, the viewers of uh, both daydreaming, but also of completely giving up on yourself without the skills and the tools you need to exist in the real world. Uh, now, I, I think it demonstrates uh, the danger of becoming cold and calculated, but I also think it uh, demonstrates the chairman, uh, how he was corrupted by his uh, dream, the dream world desires and thirst for power. I um, mean, it just became out of tap with reality. 
Uh, now, I think this is uh, the late director Satoshi Kon's uh, approach. Uh, it's meant to be a compromise between idealistic youthfulness and uh, which of the younger generation, which I would argue uh, a lot of people who saw this uh, in their youth, well, likely uh, millennials, um, are against kind of marrying that ideology with the more corporate ways of older generations in the same way that our police officer friend did. Uh, he wanted one thing and ended up living out the film that he wanted to make a movie about. Um, but I think, I think the, the film is tapping into this idea that you, you, you can't necessarily have, you, you can't necessarily have your cake and eat it too. And the, and the role of uh, dreams in society, I think that have shifted, uh, in the values of younger generations, um, Millennials uh, tend to be a lot more optimistic and uh, driven by dreams. Um, uh, study done uh, by the 2013 State of American Family uh, via Time Magazine: uh, 38 of millennials say that time, that travel, uh, is part of their dream, and 26% is seeking self-employment. Um, so, uh, very outside of the corporate system, uh, which again the movie is demonstrating, uh, very, very corporate world. Um, so, I think though that, that Soshi Cohn is saying that you. While chasing your dreams and being the ideal, idealistic and optimistic person is a, is a very is, a, is 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 good. He also paints that you know a lot of times those visions and those desires are not necessarily going to wind up looking the way they are. A lot of millennials, a lot of young people really have ambitious dreams, which is beautiful and wonderful. But uh, you know, to this date, uh, it's it's really been about for a lot of overwhelmingly about trying to figure out how to use what the the cool the tools of corporate America to make those things possible. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what analysis do you bring, sir? Well, I want to talk about the chairman character a, a little bit as well, um, <clears throat> because I find him kind of interesting. Um, as, as Caleb has alluded to and mentioned, he, he represents this this older way of thinking. He, he represents this... Um, I'm going to use the word conservative uh, for want of a better word, but when I say that, all I mean is he likes things the way they are. He is not interested in a shift in the status quo. And I, I think what's interesting about people and uh, characters in fiction um, who are interested in that, they make for compelling villains um, because inherently a desire to keep the status quo, it, it's not just wanting things to not change. It is an inherent action, especially when uh, it's someone in power who is pushing for the status quo. Uh, it, it is an inherent action to push your own agenda, to push your own uh, ideology. And, and I find that interesting, but I, f I find it obviously awful. I don't care for that very much in general. Uh, but I like it in villains because I, I think it makes for an interesting character. Uh, a character who does want something, a character who hungers for something, even if that something is a lack of change and a continuing of the stasis. Which is also a key trait in all villainy. I wouldn't say all villainy. Okay. Let's think on that. Okay. I've already thought of like three villains. That I mean, some villains want to like upend. They want to like destroy everything. Uh, I was thinking actually real life villainy. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, I was, uh, yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to stick to the world of fiction for, okay. for real, uh, okay. the, the purposes of not. Um, yeah, it's just what I'm feeling today, Fair I guess. Um, but again, I, I find that interesting about this character. But again, a desire to keep the status quo is not just, oh, I don't want things to change. No, you are actively imposing your ideology on other people. And I think that's where it gets dangerous. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing to, to like the world the way it is. Um, it is another thing to insist and use your power and your will to make other people live what you want. Um, 
and again, I, I think what it all comes down to for the chairman character is we see in the end when he becomes this big old shadow monster thing. That part got weird. I, I was having a hard time keeping track of what was happening. But to the best of my ability, um, I, I think the truth will out. It's not just about you don't want change. It's about you like things the way they are for you. And for you, things not changing means you get to stay in control. Uh, and that's it stops being about, I'm going to protect dreams because we shouldn't do that. And it starts becoming about, oh, no, I am I am the god of this new world. Get on my level. Um, and I found that very interesting. I, I liked it a lot. And um, it's part of why I enjoyed Paprika so much, uh, despite uh, my uh, desire to not like it. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And that was one of the things I really enjoyed uh, was this... Uh, Ex, uh, Professor Xavier type character uh, who ended up walking around on uh, tree roots. I just want to keep saying weird things that happen in this movie and see what Arthur's face does. Since just he like didn't watch surrealism. It. Yeah, he just walked around on uh, tree roots and um, his head popped out of another guy's neck and uh, then he turned into a big shadow monster and um, got sucked into uh, a little girl's mouth uh, like a vacuum. And then she turned into a big naked girl. And then she turned into a big naked girl. She exactly. goes through puberty. I didn't really yeah. care for that. Um, <laughs> but no, I, again, to, to put a pin in it, I, I find those kinds of villains interesting, um, both in the real world, as Dustin alluded to, but in fiction as well. Um, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge um, as a people, um, as, a, as one people, um, that a desire to maintain the status quo because you find it comfortable is not just uh, you not wanting to be discomforted. It is also you uh, imposing an ideology on other people, and that's dangerous and bad. Excellent. I totally agree. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Uh, Ms. Alexander Bohannon, I know, is going to speak a little bit about surrealism as she's wearing her Valor and her Week of Wonders uh, Daisy shirt. I sure am. I, I realized I was wearing this, and I was like, oh, this is very fitting. <laughs> so, so do go on. Tell me what you're thinking about paprika. Sure. For Paprika, I was going to contemplate surrealist formalism and and discuss how this film uh, depicts surrealism in film. And firstly, um, I'm just going to preface this by saying uh, that Dustin may chime in on some points of this conversation uh, just to enhance some of the content, since he is probably going to write a dissertation about surrealism. Um, I just like committing you to that now. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Well, I've actually, whenever looking up all this information, it, it seemed like... I don't know. Is is the field studies of surrealism a little bereft of of research? It sounds uh, like that a, is correct. Okay, yes. yeah. So y- you're needed, bro. So uh, <laughs> you've been called. Um, anyway, so firstly, surrealist cinema is characterized predominantly by just juxtaposition, the rejection of ju- dramatic psychology, um, and that includes you know typical narrative structures and the use, the frequent use of shocking imagery. I'm going to use the phrase surrealism in film because some theorists balk at the use of the the phrase surrealist film. They do. Do you agree with that, by the way? I don't know. Uh, So the idea is that there are only three surrealist films, uh, if you are uh, to read some of these more narrow definitions, which are um, Louis Boonwell's two films uh, with Salvador Dali, Un Chien Andalou, and Lodge Door. And then sometimes uh, The Seashell and the Clergyman uh, by Germaine Duloc is also added in because it's Antonin Artaud's. Uh, screenplay uh, for that. And then every other film are just films that sort of dabble in or make use of surrealism to those minds. And I'm I'm not quite so sure about that. Yeah, no, I, I was also not so sure about it either because to me, I, I, surrealism is really challenging for me personally and my theories, uh, personal experiences with theories because it if you, if it, you can't define 
parameters for it, then everything can be it. And if you can't say that a movie... I mean, I don't know if Paprika is, I would consider that a truly surrealist film, but it definitely has a lot of surrealist elements to it. Yeah, absolutely. So you have the elemental thing that you're talking about, yeah. sort of influence that provides some bars, and you've got like the historical bars. And then you've got uh, the, the broadest possible definition, which is cinema itself is surrealist in experience, oh. that it is an event of shared dream, which makes everything apply. And mm. so it's... All of them, none of them, and just a few of them all yeah. at the same time. It's very confusing. It's in that very way. tangled, and that's probably why there's been a lack of research done on it. Um, but anyway, uh, so I did look up some uh, theorist um, contemplations of surrealism. In his 2006 book, Surrealism in Cinema, uh, Michael Richardson argues that surrealist works cannot be defined by style or form, but rather as a practice of surrealism. Um, he then says that surrealists aren't concerned with conjuring up some magic world that can be divine to find as surreal their interest is almost exclusively in exploring the conjurations the points of contact between different realms of existence surrealism is always about departures rather than arrivals and he argues that rather than a fixed aesthetic he defines surrealism as a, a shifting point of magnetism around which the collective activity surrealistic revolves so it's it's very in itself uh, like it, self-circular it definitions and, and i own that book and uh, richardson oh, overwhelmingly he bothers me um for the most part as a writer but part of what he's contending is that there are surrealist practices uh the practice of automatic writing for instance where you sort of uh, just write down a certain word and then somebody else writes down a word and you come up with giraffes giraffes on horseback salad uh sorts of poetry and so that is it is the process of using a surrealist technique in the composition of the art form itself uh, the same thing can be done with the exquisite corpse which is a drawing uh, technique which is the same thing i draw a piece and i fold it over you don't see what i drew and you draw a piece and then we fold it over and sort of a parlor game that surrealists would practice and so for richardson uh the use of a technique of tapping into the unconscious as uh cinema is, is the thing i i don't know because i think you can be very intentional in your delving in because one of the things about the unconscious is it, it has to be sort of elicited uh, by accident slips of the tongue this is sigmund freud uh, and his influence slips of the tongue automatic writing and those kind of things yeah no see that's really helpful for me because i just don't like that if you have no parameters on anything then you could say everything is that and I don't think that's that's cool in theory but not in practice like whenever you're trying to to say I would not say by the broadest definition of surrealism Transformers the first Transformers film is a surrealist film by the presence of it existing but I don't want to say Transformers is like Lage d'Or mm -hmm. you know I don't want to say that those those two can be are two works that are both surrealist when one is definitely has all the markers of surrealism so anyway uh, moving right along um, is discussed in her 2002 dissertation from surrealist film to surrealism in film um, by Lenuda uh, Gicken. Um, she discusses how um, surrealists were attracted to the treasure of imbecility, which I find fascinating because that's kind of what Good Trash is all about. Yes. Um, because you're basically pulling out these uh, mediocre things that you found in, at the time, French cinema of the day, but you're you know, commenting on it because it ha contains things that have high art within them, which I find that's kind of our mission statement. Um, and then we move on to uh, Philippe Soupou, uh, sorry, I just want to make sure I got that right. Um, he tried to explain uh, this affinity with the world of cinema. Uh, cinema, for us, quoting, is an immense discovery of the moment we were 
uh, elaborating. Surrealism, we then considered in film, was a marvelous mode for exp- expressing dreams. We thought the film could propose the extraordinary possibilities for expressing, transfiguring, and realizing dreams. One can say that the birth of surrealism we sought to discover, thanks to cinema, the means for expressing the immense power of the dream. Uh, suppose insistence on the relation between dreams and film expresses a wider social perception of the characteristic beginning at the beginning of the century specifically. But I do think that, you know, his hallmarks of discussing dreams that kind of nestles well with when what Paprika demonstrates, I feel has these surrealism char- characteristics um, because Sir, Paprika has the dramatic psychology whenever you uh, thwart traditional narrative structures and you heavily use juxtaposition. Um, juxtaposition is then used for a disturbing effect. Um, one of the biggest things that was highly confusing for everyone watching this movie, for at least for me, was uh, Paprika and her real, real world counterpart, which seemed to have no rules as to when she comes out and when she is used or anything like that. And, and I think the fact that they're interchanged with that reason is very... Um, it's very telling of it being a kind of a surrealist uh, surrealism marker. I mean, it also, you know, the, the other issue of uh, juxtaposition is the use of shocking imagery. There was a lot of that in this movie. Um, we dust. I was surprised Dalton didn't bring up the uh, unzipping of the girl's skin. I, didn't, uh, I really didn't want to. Well, it's very, um, very shocking. It's uh, yes, it horrifying is. to watch. Yeah. So uh, uh, it's uh, it's very disturbing. It's icky. It's very disturbing. Uh, um, didn't I didn't care po- for it. I, I didn't care for it either. But it was it, fascinating. It's very shocking. And uh, the shocking is what <laughs> the surrealists wanted to do to us. Um, and and also, I felt the um, the l- longer we went in this movie, I felt like it, it just like how we said the middle part was uh, bogged down by all the narrative. Once we got past the narrative and we figured out the mystery, it's like, yes, let's do what we wanted to do the entire time, which is be a surrealist movie, yeah. um, <laughs> which was great because then we have the thing like the smoke monster. Um, she inhaling the smoke monster and forcing her go through puberty. And it's just, I mean, that harkened back to like the ending of Valerie and her week of wonders. It just, you know, the pre the, the pubescent prepubescent pubescent, and then adult female, you know, growing over time, um, ascending into womanhood. But it, it had like a lot of, there's also like a lot of tentacle stuff that I know that's a thing in Japan, you know, the tentacle, but trees this time, tentacle trees. <laughs> This is weird. Yeah. Again, more shocking imagery to convey, um, you know, this kind of the nature of dreams in um, in text. So I, I just wanted to kind of then throw to Dustin and he can further elaborate on the, the surrealism as depicted in this film. Yeah. And what I want to say, and I'm, I'm glad you bring up some of the points that you bring, because we are talking about a film that does uh, make use of imagery that is strange and bizarre, which is sometimes the more common usage of the word surreal, like that was a surreal experience because it was sort of weird or you know to use a Freudian term somewhat uncanny but what we're talking about when we're dealing with surrealism is the juxtaposition the uh, the uh, almost the uh, collision of both uh, Freudian ideas and also of Marxist ideas of revolution and anarchy and uh, so what this film does is, is wrestle with those sorts of terms and thematically and then makes use of certain visual techniques and motifs uh, when we start talking about surrealism any longer in terms of film uh, again Again, I, I, sometimes I'm okay with the idea of, okay, these are the surrealist films. Uh, Raphael Moyne uh, is another uh, great writer, and she talks about a surrealism in cinema as well. And uh, the, the, the idea that there are the films that, that are sort of on a spectrum that are to a lesser or greater degree influenced by surrealism. This film is more to the higher
higher degree because not only is it making use of images that definitely relate to it, it's also exploring thematics, not just of dream work, which is the uh, the Freudian thing, but it's also exploring the idea of the object of desire. It is exploring some of those uh, erotic tendencies uh, that are sort of bubbling under the surface that we cannot quite access because we're afraid to name them. Uh, for instance, the relationship with Takito um, or whomever, uh, that, that the, the paprika slash whatever her real life, real world name is. Chiba. Chiba. Her name is. But she's also a divided self, which is a huge thing in surrealist film, particularly in Louis Bunuel films, in which there are two actors or actresses. I'm glad you were touching on this because like, when Alex was talking, I was like, oh, fuck. We didn't even get to like the duality of her like dream persona and her real life. And again, the division of the ego and sort of the id. Yeah, it's, and again, like the idea that uh, everybody, it's the subconscious desires that are driving society forward, uh, whether you name them or not. Right, subconscious or unconscious. There's a lot of slippage between the terms. I tend to prefer uh, unconscious because I think it's more um, literally Freudian. But yeah, when people say subconscious, they're usually saying the same kind of thing. And these desires that bubble under these, these, these uh, things that people want. And so the film is doing an exploration of that where uh, Sheba is coming to grips with the fact that she 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 is a sexual being and uh, that that paprika uh, to an extent is uh, and I hate this sort of term but she is a pixie dream girl yeah it, I got that vibe too but, yeah but it was but she was so cool she, uh. very cool awakened <laughs> sort of uh, you know realized self you know she's not just a sexual object but she's she knows that she is sexual but she doesn't just use that of herself the other uh, the Sheba self does not want to make use of that and so it's sort of an integration of the two uh, tr- sort of discovering and finding where that all works again and then finding her desire and the idea itself of doing the dream work is by its nature a rebellious and anarchic act is where was which which is when our chairman comes into play well in the uh, to speak to them her coming to terms with both sides of herself there's this i mean the the little girl that turns into a, a lady while eating the smoke monster um looks like both of them yes That's, which i thought was a really cool touch um one thing that i do remember i i know that there's a lot to be said about on um, childhood repression in um especially freud but then you know surrealism integrates that throughout its text i was curious we didn't haven't really touched upon like the the parade of toys um as it were and the fact that you know we have these childhood dolls really um yeah <laughs> dalton is off mic uh doing the doll dance which is wonderful um but how does how do you think if you were just like psychoanalyzing uh takito um what takito Takito. What do you think he means by his how this dream world that he's constructed? Well, I think there's two things to address here. First of all, is just this idea of childhood and connecting there, you know, and trying to understand that on a deeper level. That's a that's a big thing in Japanese culture sure. is the fascination. And I don't want to say obsession, but definitely a very deep uh, infatuation with like just childhood, just youth culture. Um, you're going to see running through all of their pop culture in the writing. Yeah, there, there, so there is absolutely that, and you see this, you know, again, as, as Caleb says, uh, throughout that's our Japanese culture. But there's also a, a surrealist uh, a sculpture maker named Hans Belmer, uh, who made these uh, sculptures of these malformed and deformed dolls. And uh, so there's, a, there's an indexicality in which uh, the director of the film is making reference to a lot of surrealist art that's gone on before. Um, that there are, there are all of these moments uh, of Magritte and 
and uh, uh, Ernst and of Dali and other uh, visual artists as well as uh, Dadaism itself and uh, later on Breton and how he works with it and so he so so he sort of indexes some of those basic ideas and terms and we have uh, again a huge speech of word association that happens from the chief and uh, those and, God what a wonderful scene yeah it's great isn't it and so you I, have that I'm not kidding there's I'm watching this with Alex and Caleb and I'm like am, am I what is, what is this a bad translation because we were watching the the subtitles not that we weren't watching a dub track oh I watched it dubbed yeah, I we wish I had. We were watching the sub. Well, just it was what started, and we we're like, "Well, this is fine." Um, but I'm reading these subtitles. I'm like, "What the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. What? Who in the?" We were all questioning ourselves. We were very confused, first, which, which is really fascinating. It, it took a long time for us to. I know, like that's the point. You know, you get oh, and into it this worked very well. Insanity, like questioning well, your own sanity. It feels and it feels like an obscenity. It's like an assaultive act, right? To sort of like, okay, we're going to just jam these words together, cause their right. collision. I mean, not juxtaposition, but collision itself, yeah. which yeah. creates a frisson, right, in your own mind. I mean, that that is sort of the uh, the avenue through which uh, surrealism is trying to converse uh, with the integration of the dreamlike. And it, it's not just a collapsing of worlds. I mean, that's sort of what people talk about in sort of, again, a pop surrealist sort of sense. It's like, hey, you've got two different worlds, they interpenge upon one another. Yes, absolutely. And the surrealists were doing that with the conscious in the unconscious mind, the dream, and uh, sort of waking reality. But the point was to cause, again, this massive uh, fissure in the tectonic plates of the self uh, so that uh, you could unveil what's going on and re- and really revel in the real freedom beneath, which is, again, what Shiva experiences at the end, is that she is sort of freed to be herself uh, in her affections with Takito. And so that is uh, sort of the surrealist intentionality of the film. And I'm going to keep calling him Takito, too, because it's just funny to me. Thank you. Um, but nonetheless... Yes, indulge me. <laughs> Give me your power. He's the incorrigible one. I know, he's really uh. useless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm about. That's right. But Good So, so the film does that in a way that I think is, is much closer in sort of a spectrum of surreal sort of activity. So I um, I like it a lot. Yeah, th- I mean, we watched this movie. I was like, well, this is the most Dustin anime I've ever seen in my life. That's probably. Oh, I think definitely. that's like the. I think that's a great new tagline for it. Oh, Paprika colon the Dustin of animes. Yeah, so no one will watch it ever. <laughs> no one will watch it ever. <laughs> dear listener, we'd like to hear what you've got to say about this film, and I uh, thank my dear co-hosts for their excellent analysis uh, about the film. We come to a point in our show where we must render a verdict, though, and I'm curious to hear what's going to be said as far as shelf or trash, and then else's or instead. So I go to you first, Mr. Dalton Stewart. What do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? <laughs> I think you should shelf it. Mm. That yes. What was that? I think you should you shelf it? it. I think you should shelf it. Which, what movie? The film Paprika, which is a cartoon that was made on the island nation of Japan. I think belongs on the shelf. I think it's a very interesting film. <laughs> um, and honestly, I think it's a good film for people like me who have no interest whatsoever in anime. Uh, because I think it's got a lot of interesting stuff going on. I, I think it... It plays to their their cultural interests and, and proclivities uh, in such a way that it's definitively an anime, but without doing the things that I, I find really obnoxious. I liked it a lot. Um, what do you want from me? 
I think it's pretty good, and I think uh, more people should check it out because I do I do find it to be an interesting film. Um, we, we've talked about this uh, a little bit. Uh, Caleb's alluded to it. Uh, obviously, the, this movie is about dreams, um, and uh, Wolfgang Peterson was actually uh, attached to direct a live-action version of this film for a while, and, and, and then Inception happened, and then it was like, well, I, I guess we should probably not bother with this for a while. Yeah. yeah. No! That's Which, such a bummer. Well, it's, you know... It pe- happens in Hollywood. You, you, I mean, and I'm glad it does because otherwise you get Deep Impact and Armageddon coming out in the same year. Um it's good, uh, but I, again, we've alluded to Inception, but I'd, I'd like to recommend uh, two films that have already come up, uh, but uh, more um, surreal, non-traditional films that we, we've talked about on this show, uh, and that's um, The Holy Mountain and um, Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh, which I think are, are definitely good fits with this movie. Uh, they're weird, uh, they're interesting, uh, they have things to say, even though you're not always going to be sure what the hell's going on. Excellent, excellent. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Caleb Masters, what do you say? Show for trash? Else or instead? Oh, man, it's tough. Because I, I think it is of a quality that belongs on the shelf. I don't I don't know if I'm going to put it on my shelf, though. I, I like streaming it. Like I feel like this is such a such an interesting experience that must be experienced. I think this is a film everyone should absolutely see, uh, especially if you have any remote interest in anime at all. But am I going to put it on my shelf to rewatch over and over again? Okay, you know what the hell? Yes, yeah, sure, <laughs> I will because because it's like it does lend itself to like that Inception vibe where it almost feels like a puzzle. Like I, I mean, I got I definitely got the vibe for what was going on in this film, but I think there's a lot still left on the table that demands repeat viewings to actually really really get a uh, the best sense of what this film is getting at. Um, uh, so yeah, sure, sure, we'll go ahead and shelf it. I will say, go ahead, yeah, watch Inception. That's good. That's going to be more of a heist film, very cerebral, uh, less colorful and pink elephant to me. But so we definitely watch that. Uh, but another film I'm going to recommend that has to do with uh, dreams is actually uh, Richard Linklater's Waking Life. That is a really awesome exploration of dreams uh, in a very Richard Linklater way, meaning. It's animated people walking around talking about dreams and they're all having like existential crises and things like that. But it's really it's got a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful art style um, and is an incredibly well written and well acted film. Um, If you want to get like into the like I said, like just the theory of dreams. And then lastly, I would actually throw in uh, the the cabinet of Dr. Caligari on there uh, just because uh, I think there's I think there's definitely some influence uh, from that film for this film. Absolutely. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Caleb Masters. Ms. Alexander Bohannon, uh, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Elsewhere instead? Oh, definitely a shelf. I feel like this is a really... Uh, I, I'm really happy that... This is... Keithan did this one, right? I'm really happy that uh, Keithan picked this for his uh, Patreon pick through his marathon because it shows me that, like... It shows me that people that maybe are experiencing things for different reasons. Keithan is a diehard anime fan, so he probably was approaching it from that way. It can be introduced into surrealism and really enjoy it. So that that really is exciting for me. So um, as someone who's just getting into surrealism myself, I think you should do uh, Baby's... F- Baby's first good trash uh, surrealism tour, um, which don't don't think that I'm uh, pandering to you because I have I'm also working on this myself um, because I'm a baby in the world of surrealism. Um, so yeah, definitely after you watch Inception because you've all watched Inception before now. If not, go home. Um, you should then watch what Dalton said. But Beyond the Black Rainbow, I think would be a next good step into it. It still has a narrative and it still has lots of shocking narrative ish and shocking imagery and it's a, a really sick score and visual aesthetic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're going to watch uh, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders, which mm-hmm. is on Hulu, um, uh, if you have a Hulu Plus subscription. 
that definitely has still more of a narrative, more dreamlike in focus and definitely deals with um, the sexuality and becoming a young woman. And um, when you're done watching that movie, you can get on goodtrashmedia.com and listen to our most recent film syllabus episode discussing this uh, gem that should be in a film studies course, uh, Valerie and Her Week of Wonders. Then you're going to watch Quay, specifically The Comb, because, and of course, Street of Crocodiles. But The Comb is the one that's primarily about uh, dreams and you know, lots of repressed sexuality in that, but it's even less narratively focused. And you're going to cap off your tour um, with Holy Mountain, because that's uh, one way to end end your tour of uh, a brief uh, little foray into surrealism. Yeah, there's no really, I mean, you just, you, that's got to be the one to finish it off. Make you, sure you I, drink you cough syrup, again. a yeah. lot of it. That's yeah. how I watch yeah. this movie. You, you, um, don't, you don't want to start with Holy Mountain. No. no. Holy moly, Mine's no. broken. And yeah. Just, yeah oh, man, I should have said Holy Motors, speaking of holies. Well, I was going to. Oh. Why yeah. you let me do that? Yeah, Holy man. Mother. I forgot yeah. we've talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. So definitely um, all of these um, films that I mentioned have a corresponding Good Trash genre cast episodes or film syllabus episodes. So you can hear um, your pals at GoodTrashMedia.com discussing all of these things. Thank you very much, Miss Alexander Bohannon. I am not actually going to say shelf. I think you should absolutely watch it. But it's absolutely, it, it is sort of commercial uh, uh, surrealism. And much better, uh, much less commercial surrealism than what you might find with Inception. What I find with Christopher Nolan's films, overwhelmingly, and this is going to be a controversial thing uh, to say, because Christopher Nolan films give the sense of having thought, but yet it's done everything for you, so you really haven't and really wrestled with the ideas and concepts in question. Inception and Interstellar are two films I'm looking at uh, for this particular sort of idea. And uh, this film uh, also does sort of tick too many boxes, I think, to be, you know, uh, that same surrealist exercise. So what I would recommend as other films, uh, not a surrealist film, but definitely a surrealism in cinema film, is Mulholland Drive from David Lynch, which does sort of have its mysteries and does reveal some of them, but it does some of that for you. Also, Louis Bunuel's That Obscure Object of Desire, in which we do have some doubling of characters, but this time we have a single character played by two different actresses at different times and at random, and uh, that's very interesting and uh, sort of uh, a challenging film uh, in a great many ways. Uh, Holy Motors is another thing I was thinking of, and I definitely think uh, so you good. should be definitely uh, checking that out. Oh, and it's so good. Otherwise, uh, just find me on Twitter. We'll have a conversation, and I can, I can send you in the direction of a great many several things based on your own proclivities and triggers uh, so I can warn you of things that would not go well for you um but yeah so check that out it's all out there for you uh, waiting on you uh, dear listener we'd love to hear what you have to say about the things that we've said do that via those magical means of social media we now come to the end of our show we must announce what's happening next week we are going to keep in the anime world but it's a host pick this month and this week and mr arthur gordon has a selection sir we are on needles and pins or pins and needles to hear what you have to say you know what we're not watching an animated film next week how because I march to the beat of my own drum, and I play by my own rules. All right. <laughs> We're watching a live-action film next week based on an anime mm-hmm. as we take on the Wachowskis' Speed Racer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, that's awesome. I'm so excited. That's awesome. Oh, I love you, Arthur. I'm all in. All right, so dear listener, take a look at Speed Racer. Take a look at Paprika. Take a look at all the many things that we've suggested so far and have a conversation because that's what makes it really worthwhile. Movies are so much more than just 90 minutes and a bucket of popcorn. It's about the way you talk to other people. So keep watching. We'll keep talking. And we'll see you all next time. 
The Good Trash Genre Cast is produced and edited by Arthur Gordon. Direction by Dustin Sells. Social media by Alexandra Bohannon, Caleb Masters, and Dalton Stewart. Our intro and outro is Night Call by Kavinsky and Lovebox. We are also proud to feature music from Deer Tick this week on the program. For more information on this episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast, as well as the rest of the Good Trash Media family, please visit goodtrashmedia.com.